When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sesternino back to talk about week number eight on The Amazing Race 34. Here back with our Amazing Race panel to break it all down. First, a woman who was recruited to be a part of this podcast after after many years of, you know, she's walking by. We're like, please, please, will you podcast about The Amazing Race uh, with us? Of course, Jessica Lees. Jess, how are you? I'm doing great, Rob. Ready to pick this episode up and drop kick it over the goal line. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, please. And of course, uh, we are always excited to have back with us. Give it up for Mike Bloom. So excited to be here. Sorry, Mike Toulouse. That close enough. Uh, apologies for ditching you last week, if that's the appropriate term to use. Uh, to make up for it, if you may, I will give a reading of my favorite poem. Yes, please. There once was a man from Toulouse. Oh boy. <laughs> whose oh. lips were so terribly loose. Okay. He told all the teams about his Jeff Probst dreams. Now Phil Kogan is suing for abuse. Oh, Thank you very much. Yes, well done. Okay. Now speak it back in French, please. Yes. Si vous play. Okay. When Mike Bloom starts uh, with a limerick, uh, that, that was a relief where that ended up going. Listen, I'm making this podcast for Boom Boom, okay? This has got to be age appropriate. So when he listens back in the future, he'll know. Yes, okay. Um, I have my- some questions about that scarf, Mike. Yes. I mean, chief among them is, pardon me, sir, do you have any gray poupon? Mm-hmm. There we go. Exactly. Well, we are French, right? We're not, I don't think we're in the Dijon territories, but I think it made sense for the territory. <laughs> this is probably the most colorful 
piece of garment. Listen, I don't have a sash necessarily. I'm dressing up like, for those who don't know, uh, the poetry proctor lady, which oh. has been maybe one of my favorite task judges this season, just because of the the pure face. She yeah, gave to the you know what? I was like, when they showed up for the detour, and it's like, okay, here we go. I'm like, oh, here this this lady, she's on one. Here we go, <laughs> and, and she. I don't think we heard her really. You know, uh, give the what for to anybody. I was waiting for the fake out. Yeah. I mean, she seemed positively thrilled with Derek X and Claire. I mean, David and Aubrey, it seemed like they struggled, but they struggled in a montage. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, listen, poetry is not really about the mouth. It's more about the heart, mm-hmm. right? So I think if the intention was there, if you're making eye contact, that's what we learned, right? During that marriage dance in Jordan is like, it's all about the intentionality behind it. And so they truly spoke from the heart about what was, by all means, an incredibly depressing poem. As long as they were able to evoke that, I suppose that yeah. was able to pass the rubric, even if they are using like level one French pronunciations. I mean, okay, I'll bite. Mike, uh, what was the meaning of the poem? All right, so wait, let me, I wrote the poem down. So let me go read it back here. So the poem- Who says these podcasts aren't educational? So the poem is, I will go through the forest. I will go across the mountains. I cannot stay away from you any longer. Okay. I will walk with my eyes fixed on my thoughts without seeing anything outside, without hearing any noise. Alone, unknown, back bent, hands crossed, sad, and the day for me will be like night. Hmm. So the more poetic translation of that is like, ain't no mountain high, ain't no valley low, ain't no river wide enough, baby. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. It was uh, the Temptations are the ones that I believe wrote this little ditty. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, not not super dark. I mean, it got a little dark at the end. In the beginning is, is to Jess's point, like, this is what I will do for you. And then at the end, it's like, I will look at nothing else. I will walk this earth alone, sad until I find you. It's like, it's not, it's more demotivational than yeah. motivational. I Mike, would say at the end of the day. Is this not the story of the amazing racers as they roam around the earth searching for Phil? Oh, yes. The, the title is called Killer Fatigue. Yes. Where mm-hmm. they just get sadder the more they go on. Uh, this one's called self-navigation. Yes. I, I drive the world alone. I think I'm in the wrong country. Yes. Was this not the plight of Quentin and Maddie? You I know? think they call it la self-navigation. La self-navigation. <laughs> yes. And speaking of Quentin and Maddie, uh, we will have our exit interviews. Of course, uh, Jess and I will talk to them uh, in a podcast uh, that we will record later on this afternoon. Mike as well. Uh, he will have his exit press uh, with Quentin and Maddie for Parade Dot com, uh, and we'll check in with them and see how they felt. And ultimately for Quentin and Maddie, I mean, they were team a team that always seemed very capable at the challenges uh, from what we saw of them. Uh, but it just seems as though they struggled with getting from point A to point B at, at times. And honestly, this week, like we kind of didn't see them in the first 30 minutes of the episode. It was just like, oh. They're very late to get to the thing. Uh, we didn't really get too much of their struggle. Just did, were you able to pinpoint what went wrong for Quentin and Maddie? I was just thinking that if David Bloomberg got his wish and was doing an amazing race, why Quentin and Maddie lost? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would he even have to say about this episode? There was almost nothing there that we could 
that we could look at. And I feel like this is going to be an illuminating exit interview because we're going to have to ask them why, what happened there, because we don't know. Yeah, I think what this episode really displays, for better and for worse, right, is the double-edged saber that is self-navigation. On the one hand, being able to only rely on yourself to get from one place to another can lead to places really jumbling up, as we saw with basically the top four teams over the course of this leg, really sort of mixing up everything just based on getting from one place to another, as we saw with Michael and Marcus. The downside is, if you are a team in the back and you don't know where you're going, you're pretty much screwed, mm-hmm. right? We saw that a bit with Glenda and Lamumba, though, again, that was more so, I think, the uh, the car accident than it was the navigation. Yeah. This time it was Quentin and Maddie. They started in that last group, and as soon as they said, we're going to take the scenic route once again, that was pretty much the nail in their coffin, unfortunately. And I would say that the tasks, while interesting and I think visually appealing this week, we're not particularly difficult to set any teams back to like make up for lost time. And so we can see that while self-driving can sometimes lead to that exciting atmosphere of like, okay, all these teams are getting mixed up now because of getting lost. And we saw this last week as well. It can also lead to a lot of anticlimactic stuff where I don't know about you, but like when we saw how far back they were, I did not think lightning could strike twice as we saw back in the second leg in Germany where Quentin and Maddie there wasn't a dance challenge coming up. Uh, I did not think they were able to pass David and Aubrey whatsoever this leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think we s- spent uh, more time with Marcus and Michael in terms of like what what they did wrong in terms of like them getting on the like uh, making a wrong turn and just like a uh, Quinn and Maddie, they just like uh, are late to get there. Maybe uh, driving slow, perhaps. It was, it was more the story of why didn't Marcus and Michael get first? Mm-hmm. Rather than why did Quentin and Maddie come in last? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Could that be another David Bloomberg podcast? I mean, he'll do it if we suggest it to him. <laughs> I know two guys that would love to listen to it, and those are Marcus and Michael, because that's <laughs> what they're focused on every single leg is why yeah. didn't we get first? Yeah. I mean, okay. that's so early seasons, though, Mike. Do you remember in those like first five seasons, there was always a team in there that like they thought the object of the game was to win every leg? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it leads to, you know, uh, funny moments as well as, of course, some frightening moments. I mean, that was the big Jonathan and Victoria blow up, right? The Brandenburg mm-hmm. gate was because he was angry that they did not get first place. Yeah, that's right. So one of my big questions coming out of this episode as we head into a mega leg and Jess, I brought this up on our last recap of our Emily and Molly headed towards the Dave and Connor ultimate fate on the amazing race. And it became more of an issue. Emily's leg. uh, We were like zooming in on it. Uh, You know, we really got to see then, you know, Emily sort of like uh, seemingly like uh, getting to the pit stop or the uh, to the mat here. uh, Like uh, seemingly like a little bit hobbled talking about, you know, what an ordeal this has been. And the preview for next week seems to indicate that, like, uh, this is going to be more of a nagging issue. Do you think that Emily and Molly ultimately uh, have to step aside? It would be you really have to be very badly hurt to get to get medically evacuated from the amazing race um, or to withdraw for injury. We've seen it happen exactly one other time in U.S. amazing race and We've seen it a bit more like in Canada. People get actively injured. Mm-hmm. I, maybe they, maybe they're slightly harder core. I don't know, but no doubt. Yeah, 
it just seems to me that it would have to be pretty serious. Uh, and I think maybe the situation that might be more analogous than Dave and Connor is um, Amy and Maya from season 25. I believe there was this situation where Amy had been doing like intensive CrossFit to get in shape for the race, but she was not used to that level of exercise and overstrained herself and ended up hurting her leg to the point where she couldn't run. Mm-hmm. Mm, oh, I remember that now. Yeah. And I believe it, you know, it, it prevented her from doing certain roadblocks, but obviously did not prevent them from doing very well in the race. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, something to keep an eye on uh, in terms of uh, Emily's health, because uh, really other than, you know, this injury, uh, very little has been able to uh, stop them. Maybe this was the episode where they faced uh, their most resistance from uh, a parking garage and the rugby ball, Mike. Yeah, those were the two biggest enemies of them. Uh, the rugby ball may be shaped like an egg, but you can't feed that one to the dog, Molly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did consider, uh, I had a hard-boiled egg uh, yesterday, and I said, should I give the yolk to my dog? And I said, for what? Why? What's the upside here? That the dog likes it? What's the downside? Uh, way outweighs uh, any potential upside of giving the yeah. dog a yolk. Even with the upside, then you have to give your dog the yolk every time because every time you open an egg, <laughs> dog's going to be right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense why Emily and Molly need to win the amazing race. They have so many vet bills from their dog's cholesterol levels from giving them a hard-boiled egg yolk every single day in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, uh, let's talk through uh, what we were doing. Now, the episode started off on an interesting note of, hey, all right, we go flashback to we're back at the mat from the last episode. And Phil says, hey, I have some news for you. You're all going to get the chance to book your own room featuring uh, a hotel on Expedia. I said, "Okay, this is interesting. Let's see where they stay. Yeah, so uh, R.I.P. Travelocity? Is mm-hmm. this, like, official, official now? Has Expedia become the new hotness? Well, Expedia owns Travelocity. Mm-hmm. Does it? Yeah. Oh, wow. They use the same engine. Uh, I don't know if you've ever booked travel on either site. They use the exact same engine anyway and mm-hmm. have for a long time. So does the gnome still exist, or is it basically some sort of, like, Disney Plus where this Travelocity owns everything? Or Expedia owns everything? I haven't seen the gnome in a long time. Mm, okay. Is gnome the didn't IP, make the merger. Does the IP still exist? Oh, we could buy the IP. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, tra- the Travelocity website is uh, still up. I mean, it exists. It's just like they're... I think they are, they are now owned by the same company. So it's like, if you think you're sticking it to Expedia by using Travelocity, good luck with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing is like, it feels a little different though from like the Fox Disney merger, right? In that like, yes, they're direct competitors to each other, but it's like, they were at least providing different services in movie studios. This is literally the exact same thing. Why not just bring everything together? Are they just hoping like, well, people won't notice anyway, like Rob and myself, they can mm-hmm. book however they want to. And it's all coming back to our pockets at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't see any uh, gnome branding on the website. I don't know if the gnome has uh, been uh, put out to pasture. Very sad if that's the case. Go hang out with the pets.com dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he uh, met his demise. Um, But yeah, the teams were able to book their own rooms. But uh, Mike, why why are they like what? What are they telling me that? Oh, I didn't know I could book a hotel room on Expedia. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like this. Okay, I've heard about barbarian. I know what happens when you stay at Airbnbs in European countries. What could happen? I fear for these teams' safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So as quickly as it came up, uh, we're off to the, uh, you know begin our adventure today. Uh, we're gonna head out to the stadium uh, to go and uh, do our roadblock here, where we're going to have to uh, participate in some women's uh with with the women's rugby team uh to go through uh, some drills jess i was very uh taken with phil going into his rugby uniform yeah phil looks great in rugby uniform Mm-hmm. yeah this was exciting like you know we just had the women's world cup of rugby mm-hmm. um and i have a college friend who was recruited for the u.s <laughs> she was the team manager for the U.S. team. Oh, um, they told oh. her you could play rugby, you know, 20 years ago. And she said, maybe I will play rugby. And now she has a career out of it. She coaches during the year and is now working for the U.S. team mm-hmm. during the offseason. So, yeah, it, they do. People do come up to people and say you could play rugby if you wanted. Yeah. Has she ever come across the award winning Toulouse rugby team? I would assume so. Mm-hmm. This seemed like kind of a, I don't know rugby very well. This seemed like kind of an odd mismatch, but they seemed like very competent players. Yeah. I love rugby. Yep. So I don't know much about rugby either, but I do know about uh, the people that played rugby at my college and uh, particularly the women's rugby team. Like it did was def- drink a lot. It was definitely a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and they definitely did recruit people of like, uh, you know, at a party that, that they were definitely like, uh, hey, you seem like you belong on the rugby team. Uh, and uh, boy, uh, they knew how to party. Yeah, it's like we saw you do a keg stand for 25 seconds. You belong on the rugby team. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm fairly sure they broke Phil off camera after he filmed this stint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, we're going to go through our rugby drills. Um, did uh, did this do anything for you, uh, this particular task? I think, I think, again, it was visually appealing, at least to have them go through the drills uh, to watch, you know, people that were adept for it and perhaps people that were not, uh, despite perhaps their past claims. Shout out to Claire. Uh, just watching her tackle the the little beanbag was, was fun to watch. I mean, what really tripped up about half the teams, right, was the drop kick because you would think, and the way that Quinta did it initially, right, is like a punt in American football where you drop it and you kick it. That evidently wasn't the case. Apparently in rugby, you have to drop it on the ground and then kick it, which leads to, I think, a lot less leverage. So that was probably the only sticking point of it. It seemed like 85% of the drills were pretty much quite literally running through the motions. And the thing that hung up about three of these six teams was the drop kick. I looked at that drop kick and I said, there is no way I'd ever be able to do that. Mm -hmm. I would be like, it would take me 300 tries. Yes, uh, to score a try. And I assume this is something that you could learn how to do. Like, I assume it's it's something like you give it a few tries with a little bit of coaching. Mm-hmm. You could figure out the mechanics of it. But 
like right now, if you give me something and ask me to kick it into the air, I'm pretty sure I couldn't do it. <laughs> well, I think that Quentin really did have the right approach in that. Like, I, I think that, you know, he dropped it on the ground and then, you know, kicked it like uh, almost immediately after it bounced off the ground. I think I think that what if you were trying to like bounce it on the ground like a basketball and then kick it like after it has come up in the air, I think it is probably pretty hard to get the leverage on it. But I think that like when Quentin was doing it like immediately after it hit the ground, I think that that seemed like the right approach would it be cheating if you spiked the rugby ball and then kicked it i don't think or so would you get a, a penalty for uh for you know t- celebrating the win in a manner of speaking okay so you f- you feel like i mean i think spiking it would be bad because i think it would be coming up uh with like a lot more velocity where i think it would be even harder to kick yeah also in I- rugby they celebrate their victories very differently mm-hmm. it's usually they you know, it's usually by playing beer pong. Yeah. The guys at, at my college, you know, famously, uh, the rugby team would, you know, I knew a, I knew a person who was, you know, the, the guy who lived in the, my dorm, like across from me, he was very active in the rugby team. And they used to go to a bar called Coconuts. Uh, and the, for whatever reason, there was a lot of nudity involved uh, with the hazing. And when somebody used to score a try, they used to do something called a land shark, which I don't think that I'm able to describe uh, what that is on a podcast. All right. Well, why'd you bring it up, Rob? I, I like to know. It's theater of the mind. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, okay. okay. Now I got to Google this too. Yeah. Interesting. Let me just say okay, that well, uh, I, b- I believe there was a, a, a paper plate involved. Okay. Okay. I don't know where, in what way, man, talk about uh, back bent, hands crossed. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. In a bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Also, RIP coconuts. There was a fire and it burned down. Uh, sad story. Well, yeah. maybe if people were uh, too busy, Doing that stuff, they should have noticed fire precautions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yep, Coconuts was a wild, uh, a wild place uh, back 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 in the day. Uh, but so I'm sure these uh, rugby players like uh, do not partake in any sort of shenanigans yeah. like Luckily, this. Luckily, that was not part of the drills they had to do. <laughs> well, everyone in France drinks a lot of wine. So. Yeah. Yeah. In in Land Shark, the teams. No. Will, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, you have dropped a kick now. Uh, come this way. <laughs> yes. Okay. You're not going to recruit me. Okay. All right. I was never recruited uh, to be part of any rugby teams uh, also, or any team really. Oh. Yeah. yeah it's nor true. was I. It's true. Okay. Um, so uh, we're going to see our teams uh, participate in this, uh, and then uh, they'll have to go randomly go go find a French horn. Uh, Jess, did this uh, do anything for you? And we're in France. <laughs> I mean, I I love that they're in they're in this medieval cloister because yes. um, this Mike knows what I'm talking about here. Up in my neighborhood in New York, we have something that looks identical to this. Literally called the cloisters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally called the cloisters. Um, it's where my in-laws got married, actually. Oh. So very special to us, that location. Um, so it reminded me of, you know, it is five blocks from my apartment but we haven't been there in, a, in forever mm-hmm. yeah and you, and you could probably it's in new york city you could probably commonly find a man playing a french horn just like on every i don't know seventh block mm-hmm. yeah they, they, it's it's a very lucrative busking thing mm-hmm. and they often horn. say that playing the french horn is the perfect warm-up to the land shark 
<laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and shout out to um, shout out to RHAP community member Ariel who tweeted at us to let us know that the piece that he's playing is German. Oh, not French. Oh, interesting. Okay, so Quentin and Maddie, uh, they recognized it immediately. Yeah, they're like, oh, we gotta go back to Germany. Yeah, That's yeah, our go clue. Back. That's we the clue. Go yeah. Um, it seemed like that the sound of the French horn uh, did not particularly help the teams. You would think that uh, as we were trying to track down a French horn, you think that like, oh, let's just uh, follow the sound. Uh, it seemed like that nobody was really doing that. Well, to me, a French horn is unmistakable from the sound of some sort of like dying rodent. Hmm. And so you just look around and you're like, OK, I'm in the city. I'm in La Vie en Rose. Uh, am I listening to a French horn or am I listening to some sort of animal that got ran over by a, a, a car and is just dying well the french horn is the um i think i believe that is the wolf in peter and the wolf oh mm. ba, 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 da, ba, ba. oh wait that's russian right so no. we're not even playing yeah that's french russian music. and the, the the french horn theme is da 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 anyway that sounds like the amazing race theme it mm-hmm. kind of does. Well, there are why wouldn't they play the Amazing Race theme? Yeah, they should have played that, or they could have played that like. <laughs> there you go. They yeah. could have played that now little music horns. cue they play when people persevere. Mm-hmm. I think there's French horns in that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Let's talk about the detour uh, that the teams had to go with. Uh, say six or lay bricks uh, in France. Uh, again, should, now, now my mind just keeps going to euphemisms when it comes to laying bricks. Mm-hmm. You, you don't you, look that up on Urban Dictionary either. Yes. Okay. Uh, so this is not a basketball term. No, uh, I wouldn't I mean, say so. Mm-hmm. Uh, saying six would be more of a basketball term, I think, than laying bricks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, say six could be a euphemism too. Only if there's a nine involved. I guess. Yeah, oh, I guess so. Um, yeah, should it have been uh, just uh, lay bricks uh, instead of uh, lay bricks? Because <laughs> <laughs> they were in France. Lay bricks. Yeah. And bricks with an X. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I really was surprised that more teams uh, didn't go for laying the bricks instead of uh, saying six. Uh, Mike, I-, I felt specifically, I thought that Marcus and Michael, I'm like, uh, no, this, no, bricks, that's your wheelhouse. Well, they said, though, that they like aced the uh, Arabic alphabet with their little cheat. And considering that, that they used the exact same thing this time around, right, which is to split three and three. They're like, all right, we've got a hot streak. I agree. It's really interesting because I feel like sometimes on The Amazing Race, the producers are like, "Okay, we've got one really visually appealing option and we need to put another one in there for the detour. And that was certainly the case where like 
if I was a producer, I would want more people to be doing say six between all the costumes and all the memorizations and everyone butchering French and all that jazz. The bricklaying seemed fine. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, the, the two teams that did it had basically no trouble. I guess where the concern came in is not only going off of previous linguistic success with the Arabic alphabet in Jordan, but also maybe they had perhaps overestimated how complicated the bricklaying would be. Because we've certainly seen this challenge in the past. Uh, my mind goes back to like, the sand mandalas that they would do in countries like India and that subcontinent as an example, which are very, very complicated. This was not. Uh, and so I think it makes sense how maybe some people may have assumed that the pattern they were going off of was a lot more complicated than just a simple spiral, mm -hmm. short, long, short, long. So when they did this challenge on tough as nails, were they playing <laughs> up the difficulty? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or who's the, the who's the Mason? There was a what what Mason was there were a few, right? We had a few Masons on yeah, top of nails. There have mm -hmm. been infamously Mikey eyebrows. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, uh, Knuckles was a Mason. Oh yeah. Um so yeah, the teams are gonna mostly uh go through the uh say six. And I really thought, okay, oh teams are really gonna struggle uh with this, but yeah, I feel like that the teams mostly did pretty well with this, especially considering they had to memorize it in, Fr in French. Yeah, it's I was I was surprised that Derek would would have done this one considering yeah. how much trouble he had with his with his back of the throat R's in the Arabic. Well, alphabet. not just that, Jess, that we heard it just in this episode. Derek X says, I have very bad short term memory, like a very bad that to the point where Claire has to hand him notes while he's driving, which is not recommended. Yeah, look, no. guys on the road, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I need, yeah, need post-its on the windshield. I mean, what is Derek bringing to the table, ultimately? A bromance. Because no wonder the dude No wonder the dude lost Big Brother. He doesn't know days at all. He probably <laughs> is like, oh, it's day three. That I'm just, it's like Mr. Short-Term Memory, like Tom Hanks on SNL. He just walks in like, all right, Claire, it's our first leg on The Amazing Race. Mm-hmm, yeah. And what show are we on again? Mm-hmm, so. Oh, Tony Randall. <laughs> yes uh so yeah no problems whatsoever and i, I really was so disappointed I, I really wanted to see that judge just really like uh rip into somebody she was all bark and no bite yeah no pencils down guy this one mm -hmm. no i think she she had that look to her maybe it was this idea to like intimidate them initially with her wear being like my god she's wearing a robe we have to impress her and hopefully that would spook the life out of people but it seemed relatively fun. I think what helped is it certainly was no French rapping from season 27. Mm -hmm. The really tough thing about that, right, was that it had to be in rhythm. These people, I feel like they were allowed like maybe two to three seconds for a dramatic effect to be like, poor La Montagna. You know, they were <laughs> able to take a bit of time to have their memory jog. It's not like they were going to any sort of beat. Mm hmm. I'm surprised nobody tried to put it to a beat because I think we've seen poetry memorization tasks before where people have like sung it or or put something behind it to help them remember it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they were using some mnemonics, right? It was no uh, Chappelle like a lion or anything <laughs> like that, but it, it seemed like laser. They were coming, yeah. yeah, laser. Claire was talking about the laser. So there were some things. The tougher thing with that, though, was that you had to say the French words. You couldn't be like, and then the laser came through because then that's when she would truly be a disciplinarian to you. Mm -hmm. And that's what French people do. When you mispronounce their language, they will correct you. Mm -hmm. 
and they are not they're not shy about correcting your French pronunciation. And as a native English speaker, your pronunciation is going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, good to know. It's a very quintessentially French experience. So I think it was a good task for this. Quintessential. <laughs> or Maddie Central. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although they seem to have no problem, uh, Quentin and Maddie. Uh, as again, that, you know, this is uh, really like these last couple episodes of The Amazing Race have been where, you know, we're just trying to like put together a story of like, could David and Aubrey choke so bad so that the last place team is able to, you know, that they're acing all of the tasks. Uh, Jess, like I really noticed that trope this season of, you know, here's here's the last place team just like uh, like a hot knife through butter through the tasks. Uh, and then just a montage of like any sort of like, uh, it, you know, struggles in a montage for David and Aubrey. Yeah, if I was David and Aubrey, I would be starting to feel a little bit bitter. Like mm-hmm. I would start to take this a little bit personally because every week it's like, who will persevere over David and Aubrey? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's part of that. They brought it on themselves by hanging out in that spot in the pack. But it's that's their storyline. Basically, their entire storyline has been, are they going to be the, the ones who get eliminated the decoy. or will it be the team? Yeah, yeah. will it be the team yeah, that actually exactly. It's like the person yeah, on Survivor who always gets voted for instead of the person that goes home. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're, we're sort of in the pagonging period, right, where the same person is getting all the votes from the minority, where we just consistently see them get brought up as, oh, maybe it could be this person yeah. this time. And maybe it's going to just be effective because then when they actually go home, we're not going to buy it. But I mean, other than the week where, you know, uh, we had the, you know, uh, everything that went on uh, with Will and Abby of uh, with the, the COVID week. You know, uh, Linton and Sh- it was Linton and Sharik versus uh, David and Aubrey of like, uh, they're going to be able to get the puzzle. Then last week with Glenda and Lamumba, like, uh, will they be able to overtake uh, David and Aubrey? And then again this week of the Quinn and Maddie, are they going to be able to, like, they've done so well on the tasks. Could they beat out David and Aubrey? Yeah, I mean, even going back to the very first leg, I know that the scramble sent our brains in a tizzy. David and Aubrey came in 11th out of 12. <laughs> That is their role. They're the bottom G dot Odysseys this entire time. We've been through, what, seven legs? I believe they placed in the bottom half five out of those seven legs. Yeah. And overall, this was a very positive episode for David and Aubrey, where they made adjustments, where they realized, though, Aubrey should be driving the car and David should be uh, in the back seat so he doesn't have to map splain. Yeah, I I think (laughs) you you see growth. Yeah. There's definitely growth there. Although there was one point in this episode where uh, I think this was back when Aubrey was still in the backseat. She was like surrounded by like crumpled up maps. Uh, maybe that's uh, like a uh, part of the problem that uh, Aubrey is not able to fold the map back up the way it's supposed to be. Are you saying the map splaining was justified? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure what the issue I I is. It. it was so it was so cartoony, right? Of like. It looked like she had a basic map of the entirety of France, let alone the region that they were in of like, all right, which country are we in? I loved how garishly giant it was. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it it sort of is the equivalent, right, of like pasting a bunch of Derek X-esque notes around you saying where to go. Mm -hmm. So... I guess, uh, why don't we talk about uh, some of these teams in uh, more detail? Um, I guess uh, Quinn and Maddie... uh, 
They they really we didn't see them for the whole first uh, half of the episode uh, that we realized that it was going poorly uh, when they had not even arrived at the uh, first task uh, when David and Aubrey were leaving. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it spelled their doom, right? When they did not say A20. That was the name of the highway that they had to get onto, right? That was, and we got even got like the map explainer that told us this is the way, this is the yellow brick road to Toulouse. And so when they said basically anything but A20, I thought, okay, yep, they're going to get lost or they're going to take the slow way around. Bye-bye, Quentin and Maddie. But the other thing that I guess did them in was leaving the roadblock. They somehow like drove into the center of the city and got done in by these little metal pylons that I think don't exist in the United States, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like I've only seen these in European-based chase sequences. Yeah, Yeah, I've seen them a lot in James Bond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what are these things, Jess? They are retractable obstacles to keep you from driving down particular streets, especially in like the well-trafficked tourist areas of the old city. If you want to keep cars out of there, but at nighttime, you might want cars to go through there so you can put them down. Yeah, but it seemed like it just popped up as Quentin was driving down the street. Um, and then also it seems like there was like uh, a like a nearby like uh, telephone box that you could call. Uh, we saw it was interesting. Not one, but two teams were able to like call an operator to uh, get assistance. Yeah, they're like, uh, can you please bring down the chodes? Like we need to get by and get to our next destination. The detour awaits us. Mm hmm. And they're like, okay. <laughs> like, sure. You would think Were they you? would hang uh, up immediately. It's it's more like it's an obstacle in place. Like you, if you want to go down that street, you really have to want it badly enough to get out of your car and pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. I think all you have to say is like, we have a camera crew with us, right? Because like people really want to or don't want to be on TV. So they're like, I don't want to be the problem here. Sure, I'll bring down these mm -hmm. little things and have you drive through. You know, uh, and I think that, you know, um, the... The, the great like um uh, i'm trying to think of the the right word uh for Qu quinn and maddie where there was such like a contradiction of that they were so good at the tasks most of the time and then they just seemed to not be able to get from uh one place to another because quinn was incredible at the rugby task he was. I feel like between them and Michael and Marcus, there's like a perfect, amazing race team. Mm -hmm. Oh, they should have done the partner swap. Could yes. have been, um, Michael and Quentin Although, and Maddie and Marcus. In fairness, like as, best intersection ever. As we uh, will talk about with Michael and Marcus, uh, that they were, you know, without their superpower uh, this week. True. Yeah. Yeah, it was not a good week for them. Yeah, but I, I feel like Quinn could, I, I feel like could step right in and kick for an NFL team. Like, I mean, he had, like, distance on uh, these uh, rugby kicks that were, like, uh, he was good from, like, uh, 40, 50 yards. I mean, Listen, you I'll, have to I'll, be able to kick if you're a cheerleader, right? That's what I'll say before, and I'll say it again. Like, dancers are incredibly athletic. Stephen Fishback talked about this way in the back of the Reed Kelly days. Like, you have to be incredibly in shape to be a professional dancer slash cheerleader. And so I was not surprised by the athleticism that Quentin and Maddie showed throughout the entirety of the race. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then they proceeded to leave that task and get lost immediately again. That's what it, that's what it comes down to. And I'm sure in talking with them, we'll find out even more times mm -hmm. that they got lost. But yeah, that really seemed to be the thing that did them in. And I'll be curious if like, navigation was a part of their preparation pre-race if it wasn't something i know that certainly like richard dom and linton and Sharik seem to make preparations pre-race but that ended up going up in a puff of smoke where just like 
the exhilaration and the adrenaline and maybe in this case the exhaustion of the race wore on and they just lost any sort of skills that they had garnered preseason but yeah that really seemed to do them in and luckily they were saved by the dance task to not get eliminated second this time around there was just no room for error there were no mm -hmm. other rex ryan and tim-esque teams in front of them to massively screw up the task to allow them to catch up yeah would have been fun to see rex ryan trying to kick the rugby ball I got guys to do this for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, when was the last like, Wait, time? Kick, kick it again. I, I really need to take a closer look at that. And when was the last time you think Rex Ryan kicked anything? Mm -hmm. I think I I bet he does it on the uh, on the football field. I, I feel like that I have like uh, if if not kicking, uh, like I feel like that he was like catching punts. Uh, like uh, he does all this uh, types of stuff to keep everybody, uh, you know, uh, in good spirits around the team. Um, so Quinn and Maddie, they then go off to go and, uh, head to say six, uh, and seemingly have no problems as, uh, we're getting the montage of David and Aubrey having all sorts of screw ups. I mean, it was, it, it was kind of, it was kind of doing the editing on easy mode. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is an old school amazing race editing trick where we just kind of have the montage of here's the team doing good. And here's the team doing bad, which one's going to make it. Mm -hmm. And you know, we are 34 seasons into this show. We got to do better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also wonder though, I'm trying to remember, like, I feel like one of them may know French at least a little bit. That's what happened with Derek X and Claire. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm misremembering it with the German stuff, but I feel like one of Quentin and Maddie, Maddie maybe know French, so it became a lot easier to mm -hmm. memorize. Derek also vocalized how it was not exactly a five-hole or a sank-hole task for him. <laughs> yeah, uh, Maddie seemed to be doing very well in memorizing the poems. Uh, they ultimately are going to get to the pit stop. Uh, well, actually, when uh, Quentin tells the judge, I would kiss you if it wasn't COVID, uh, I think that even if it wasn't COVID, uh, shouldn't kiss strangers. I don't think she would like it. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. Well, in French, in French, people do like that I air guess. kiss on the cheek. I mean, I, yeah. I would say I would air kiss you on the cheek if it wasn't for COVID. Mm -hmm. But not French kiss. That's too. Much. <laughs> no, not that. You butcher our language. You not butcher our kisses. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then so they get to the mat, and I, I did think that Phil ended up uh, dismissing them in an unusual way. Uh, Mike, did you yeah. pick up on this? It was. I thought there was a hint for a hot second that I was like. Okay, did something happen off screen to one of the other teams that they got Abby and Will to get? Because like Phil says, as you know, mm -hmm. there are no non-elimination legs. And it's like, usually that's leading to a but, but there was no but there. Yeah, there was no but. And Phil said, you know, uh, there are no non-elimination legs. Uh, and uh, he said, you are the last team to arrive, but we didn't get the and you have been eliminated. I think maybe... Maybe it was implied. <laughs> it was there implied. are no non-elimination legs. You know, if there are no non-elimination legs and you are the last team to arrive, then yeah. dot, dot, dot. I don't know. I feel like it was kind of like on Survivor where it's like, all right, uh, and the seventh player voted out is Mike. Mike, bring me your torch. We'll see you. Uh, like, uh, like, <laughs> like, have a good one. <laughs> you didn't say the thing. No, yeah. you got to say the thing. I don't know. Maybe Phil's trying to change it up so that it throws us off a little bit because 
I don't know. Again, I, I don't want to be put in this you never know mentality because again, they were very explicit about how we are in the know. We know there is an elimination here. So it is very odd. Maybe Phil was just dying a bit in the, the French summer. He was getting seasick. He was on that boat the entire day. Mm-hmm. Now that we've seen this enough times, do you think that this no non-elimination things, is this going to be future state amazing race or was this a nice experiment we tried for one season? I, ooh, I'm going to double check, not to spoil too much, but yeah. the Amazing Race 35 is currently filming. I believe it might have 13 teams racing. Wow. So I have a feeling no non- non-elimination might be here to stay for a little bit. What is this, Amazing Race Australia? <laughs> I, I think it might be this sort of like earn the merge, right? New era of Survivor, like you got to earn every single leg. And so it's it's like, no, you know, safety nets, except for the two mega legs that we put in there. That's a bit of a safety net. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they do. They feel like they can just uh, go ahead and go with the, the mega legs. Uh, but I think that the days of a strict like uh, non-elimination leg of the Amazing Race, I think are probably over. Uh, I think it might be like uh, by circumstance, you might get them. But I don't think they're going to be planned part of the uh, course anymore. Maybe are they padding out the cast so that they can, you know, like Survivor does in case somebody gets medevaced? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think that's that's another good case as well of like, and maybe then if someone does not get medevaced either by injury or by COVID diagnosis, then they could do like, oh, now it's a double elimination. Mm-hmm. This is a dangerous game that we're playing now. You've got to make sure that now you're not even in second to last. David and Aubrey, this one's for you. Yeah. Another thing that I think is uh, going to be interesting to uh, keep an eye on is this idea of um, could survivor and the amazing race end up both shifting to 90 minute episodes uh where we you know uh very sadly uh the real love boat has been pulled off of the schedule although some say that it's because that it was such a prestigious reality tv series it belonged on streaming and so that was the ultimate reason why they did that but could we see and i'm not sure at what point we would have to uh put this together this way back to that Week two, where 90 minute Amazing Race, 90 minute Survivor, all in one night on uh, CBS Reality Wednesday. It would be nice. I unfortunately have been informed by uh, some parties behind the veil, if you were, that the 90 minute episodes of Survivor and the Amazing Race seem to only be produced from the fact that, surprise, surprise, they did not have the real love boat ready to cast off in mm-hmm. the beginning of October. And so they had to give it an extra week. And so they just sort of edited those 90 minute episodes together. I don't know if the ratings necessarily reflected them wanting to shift to this. I would love it uh, just because again, there is so much that goes unseen on these shows. I think we're more likely to get fill in ubiquitous new reality show, or maybe finally we get tough as nails season four mm-hmm. in here as our third show at the 10 o'clock hour rather than, okay, let's do 90-minute Survivor and Amazing Race episodes. Well, the reason I brought it up was that uh, uh, Jeff Probst recently talked about uh, with Dalton Ross that he thought that 90 minutes was the ideal length for a Survivor episode because then they have 62 minutes to be able to tell the story. And so it seemed like that Jeff was also, you know, uh, angling for potentially uh, a 90 minute episode. So I wonder if that was something that had been sort of like top of mind because it's something that's talked about. Anything Jeff does to get himself more screen time, I think is the Mm -hmm. path he's going to go down. Mm -hmm. So 
I don't know, just something to keep an eye on in terms of uh, like, I think the soonest that we could potentially see that would be maybe in the fall. I'm not sure if Amazing Race uh, 35 is filming right now. Uh, God knows when we'll see it. Uh, potentially. I don't know. There's, there's a chance. They, Amazing Race 34 filmed like late spring, early summer and aired in the fall. I think there's a sizable chance mm -hmm. that they might go with this arrangement again and just do a really quick because amazing race only films over the course of like a month there's a chance they might do a super quick turnaround especially if we're doing a later survivor premiere if it's going to be like late february early march we could have this primetime wednesday night arrangement again and this could be the arrangement for the near future just which two amazing race excited. seasons a year yeah it's like the old days oh my but god this would this is the time frame they used to film on they used to do this all the time mm -hmm. it would be like around thanksgiving they would be filming for the following spring. So I'm not surprised. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to just continue to stay though, in the same part of the world though, uh, could we be like, uh, will it, will it get monotonous uh, potentially to just like continue to go back to Europe uh, twice a year for the amazing race? I mean, I've, things will open up eventually, mm -hmm. but there's a lot more you can do in Europe. Okay. And they've found a formula now that works. I think they realized finally that, you know, Mike has brought this up a number of times before, but if you have two legs in the same place, if you make those legs drastically different from one another, it's like having the legs in two different places. So I think now that they've figured that out, it makes it much less annoying to go to fewer places. Let's talk about our fifth place team. That would be David and Aubrey. And of course, uh, they had a little bit of a new strategy. OK, uh, they were going to do two things. They were going to have Aubrey drive the car uh, and then David is going to be the navigator. And then also the second thing they're going to do differently is that uh, they're going to uh, be uh, nicer to each other. And kudos to them for actually delivering on that. How many times have we seen an Amazing Race team say that at the beginning of the leg, and then it just devolves to the status quo at the end? It's really tough to say that David and Aubrey had by far their most interesting leg last leg when they were most at each other's throats. Like, it's so sad to say, right, that, like, the most entertaining television you made as a team was when you were the worst together as a couple, but... It was really interesting to see how they handled things differently. And they talked about it at the beginning of this episode, right? How they both handled pressure a little bit differently. And I think that's what really came to a head in the last leg of just David wants to like go, go, go and be able to navigate somewhere. And Aubrey is like trying to wrap her head around it and feels like he was trying to rush her along. And yeah, all it takes is just a small adjustment of just swapping those seats, Mario Kart double dash style. And it seemed like everything was fantastic. David is an expert navigator and Aubrey at least you know, these cars don't seem like stick shifts. So she was just able to just go where he led her. And as a result, they were able to have a pretty solid performance. This like, I would say not the most memorable or outstanding, mm -hmm. but I'd definitely say a lot less flawed than their previous leg in French. I guess. I mean, um, both of like uh, the tasks that they did, you know, Aubrey really struggled uh, with, you know, uh, completing the rugby task. And then their uh, poetry memorization was a montage of them failing uh, to try to make us feel like that Quentin and Maddie had a shot to get back into the race. And, you know, you know how these things go. They could have been they could have been failing at it for 
20 minutes or they could have been failing at it for two minutes mm-hmm. and the race can make a meal out of either situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it is interesting logic, right? That's like, oh, David is so good at English and Spanish. He could just pick a third up mm-hmm. super easily, right? Like that's, they're not Pokemon. He knows languages. Yeah. Spanish and French are, there's a reason why, right? In high school, you're like, okay, Spanish or French. They truly feel like two roads diverged in a yellow wood from a linguistic perspective, feel distinctly different enough that I would say one does not specifically apply to the other. If it was like Italian, then I could understand why they ended up taking it. But maybe they just thought the skills would carry over and they didn't necessarily do so. Mm -hmm. Okay. So David and Aubrey, uh, they move on. Uh, I would think maybe the odds on favorite to be eliminated uh, on the mega leg. But I guess uh, we'll see uh, how Emily's mega leg uh, ultimately holds up uh, next <laughs> Not time. Not so mega. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> More of a micro leg. Um, let's talk about uh, Michael and Marcus. Uh, we talked about how uh, this was a week that was a struggle for them, a challenge, because uh, they opened the episode saying, we are looking to have a a mistake free leg uh and then maybe you know um don't don't tell the universe what you don't want i the previously on was so interesting right where it's like previously on michael really sucked in the task but marcus saved the day with his expert navigating and i was really thinking like where are we going here is this going to be like really a travis and nicole situation where like one team member continues to drag the the duo down but no, uh, I guess Marcus had his Quintonite in a manner of speaking and <laughs> that his superpower of navigation got foiled here. He had the rare slip up where they got on the wrong highway going into Toulouse. And as a result, it set them back pretty far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they had to ultimately make this call between uh, what was it? Uh, 80 or 72. Um, they picked 80. Uh, Emily and Molly picked 72 and Emily and Molly were correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like it's a, I don't feel like it's a random thing. I feel like there was one objectively correct answer there. They could have both gotten it, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, I think maybe this was another case of editing, making a meal out of something very small mm-hmm. because they did show that exact same shot <laughs> of the exact same truck, like several different times. Yeah. And, and went to I, commercial. Yeah, and went to commercial, and I feel like maybe the yeah, truck was lost too. Yeah, the traffic was not was not moving fast, but it definitely was moving faster than the exact same shot three times. Mm-hmm. I I did like though. I think Marcus at a certain point, maybe this is when they were leaving the roadblock, was like, all right, we'll just follow where this truck is going. Oh no, oh oh no, the truck led us astray. Mm-hmm. Sacre bleu, truck, why did you betray us? Because <laughs> the truck was going somewhere entirely different and had no stake in the race. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, very plausible explanation of uh, what went wrong. Well, I think also it didn't help the uh, the roadblock. Uh, Marcus has the football bod, though. I'm surprised, Rob. Were you surprised to find out that Marcus was a receiver? And no, not necessarily like well, he has not, have a blocker body. Yeah. So uh, that um, Michael says that, yeah. Uh, so Marcus played uh, some football, but he was uh, a, a, rec- a wide receiver or a cornerback type. Well, those are two very different things. Uh, they I actually, thought said, I thought he said quarterback type. Quarterback? 
Yeah, that's uh, maybe he's like, uh, you know, what? Uh, either way, either way, those are those tend to be very different jobs on the football team. Uh, but yeah, definitely, I I saw him as more of like a tight end. Uh, I could see, him, like or I could see him, like, yeah, coming off the edge on uh, the defense. Um, so yeah, I mean, the way he was tackling, uh, like R.I.P. those dummies. Uh, but for whatever reason, do not ask him to kick in a pinch. Yeah, it, it just he didn't seem to necessarily have the the bill for it. I guess we evidently found like a Taysom Hill type, right? A guy that could do it all except evidently kick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, Marcus, he did say that he could throw the ball through a tire. Uh, maybe maybe he was. Maybe they did say quarterback. Oh, that means he could film a male enhancement pill commercial. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only thing I could think of. Yes. What? That's the only thing you could think of from the from those uh, commercials. Yeah, it's like uh, the the metaphor, right? The the land shark, if you will, of like Jimmy Johnson in particular when he did a commercial for Enzite, I think it was, and it's, there's just the image of the football going through the tire with the hole in it. That's but, what sticks in my yeah. memory. Yeah, maybe it should be like uh, kicking the rugby ball through the uprights. <laughs> oh god, that feels a very different, mm-hmm. a very different set of skills. Okay. All right. Uh, so, uh, you know, Marcus is going to struggle. They eventually uh, get through the task and then uh, proceed to immediately get lost again. <laughs> it was a theme in this episode. Which I like. I Not mean, that I, I, think- I like. I don't like for their like, obviously, for their sanity's sake. But I, I, I like when the seemingly infallible teams are fallible, right? Luis is going to say this later on. Like, OK, Marcus and Michael got lost, so they're not perfect. We saw this with Ryan and Dusty last year with the Rocks. It's great for the teams, but boring for us to watch one team just dominate the entire time. And while it was fun to watch Michael and Marcus get their groove back last time, we like variable placements. And so I was appreciating the fact, just from a competitive sake, that they fell to the back of the pack once more this late. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, they're going to get to uh, the pit stop. Uh, Jess, Phil gives them a pretty good fake out. Yeah, I I don't know that they... I don't know that they bought it, in, <laughs> except that they were just really devastated not to be in first place. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, Phil's got to work on his poker face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was the best one he gave in this episode. Uh, so they check in. They are team number four. Uh, Emily and Molly, of course, uh, they're always uh, you know hovering right around where Marcus and Michael are uh, in the race. Uh, we saw them leave at the same time. Um, we're keeping an eye on everything that's going on with Emily's injury. Uh, Molly ends up being the person who ends up, uh, trying to do the rugby obstacle course. I wrote in my notes, is this the first time we find something that, uh, Emily and Molly aren't good at? And not really. Not really. It's fine. Yeah. 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 Like it took them uh, six tries, whatever. mm -hmm. It took everybody six tries. Yeah, unfortunately, there's no uh, household tasks equivalent to kicking a rugby ball through some goalposts. But, I mean, they were in the lead enough. They navigated there correctly to be able to have a few tries at the try, as it were. Really, their lone holdup was when they accidentally drove into a parking garage that, much like an infamous Seinfeld episode, they could not get out of. Yeah. What a nightmare this would have been. Uh, You know, you're in this parking garage. You can't go backwards. You're stuck at the thing. You don't have the money. You have to, you know, you're in France uh, that they like have to press like the call button. Uh, You know, just I I would be having a panic attack during this. 
I mean, I think the I think the voice on the other end of the line did a pretty good job of talking him down. Mm-hmm. Maybe so not the just, first time this has happened. Yeah, I, I I have a feeling this happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who would have thought the hostage negotiators, when they retired, they took a second job as a, a to parking garage operator? I mean, mm-hmm. Mike, gonna be okay. Hey, happened for Mike Saul, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's gonna be okay, girls. Just All go right. to the, just go to the okay. Go get your change. <laughs> go put Here's it in the you're machine. Gonna you're, you're gonna go with your coins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, they get they get through it, and then uh, they're going to go and uh, go to try to uh, do the poetry. And, you know. Was it, was it a, a little, like, uh, thrifty of this parking garage? I feel like the parking garage I have experiences in, if you're in there for just, like, a couple minutes, generally they let you go scot-free. I didn't realize there was an appearance fee for just popping your wheels into a parking garage. Well, if it's a thing that happens a lot, it could be like one of those towns that's got the that's got the red light in the inconvenient spot, and they just make a lot of money on on tickets. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like this tourist trap. Quite literally, <laughs> yeah, literal tourist trap. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, Emily and Molly they get through uh, the task, and it does seem like that Emily is really struggling uh, as uh, she pulls up into the pit stop here uh, at team number three, uh, right behind uh, Louise and Michelle. You know, just the way that they do the breakdowns, though, of like you know Emily and Molly, they check in like what five seconds after Louise and Michelle, and I'll bet like at the start of the next leg, it'll be like the first two teams to leave, and then it'll be like a big like fifteen minute break between uh teams uh three and four yeah i mean well that's luck of the draw you know sometimes you're way behind and they check and they check you in like 20 minutes behind and you make up five minutes yeah sometimes sometimes it's more than that Mm -hmm. but i think we need to pause for a second because i think the man's name is lewis i'm pretty sure we've been mispronouncing his name for eight episodes sorry apologies to lewis and michelle and i was prepared to i was prepared to continue with our mispronunciation until I heard Michelle call him Lewis and mm-hmm. I feel like she would know. Okay. That is, yeah, probably the, aside from the man himself, probably the closest source to the correct well, or Or name. go to Derek X if they have a, their bromance is strong. Yeah. And mm-hmm. plus he knows a lot about pronunciation. Well, no, Derek, Derek, X, is, Derek X doesn't remember how to pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good point. He gets handed a piece of paper. And he's like, this doesn't, this doesn't help. This is yeah. a piece of paper right. with a name written on it. All right, so let's talk about Lewis and Michelle, uh, who end up with a sneaky uh, number two finish here in this leg of the race. Uh, it looked like a, maybe at some points that they might have had a shot at another first place finish. Um, I guess we could talk about them uh, with uh, their, you know, this relationship that has uh, developed uh, seemingly uh, before our eyes between Derek X and Lewis. Uh, the, they have a bromance, Mike. Yeah, Lewis is saying, ooh, Derek X. Mm-hmm, yes. Um, who is Derek X's uh, best previous bromance? I guess, was it Kyland, mm-hmm. I guess? Yeah, I like, don't... Who was his? who was his cookout partner? Um, uh, Tiffany. Tiffany, yeah. I oh, okay. feel like that um, most of... Uh, oh, no, 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 sorry, sorry, it was Chada. It was Chada, Chada. Yeah, yes. I thought Claire was... I thought it was Claire and Tiffany. Yes. Uh, most of Derek X's allies, I feel like, on across his reality TV career have been women. You can have a bromance with a woman. You can? Sure. The platonic Bro? friendship. Platonic friendships can be bromances. Bro is gender neutral. Um, Absolutely. I feel like 
I feel oh, like Quentin is... and Maddie would call their relationship a romance. Especially when you say bruh instead of bro. Yeah, bruh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, UH is general neutral. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, this is... But, I, but I, I really I really like this relationship. It was like alluded to a little bit when I talked with Abby and Will. Abby said there was uh, something where like they were quarantined back in the hotel and when all the teams came back, she heard uh, Lewis and Derek say, we love you, Abby. So like it's clear they very much have the same like golden retriever energy, it seems like to them, right? Where they're like, affable they're happy they're a little sarcastic i i think these two are honestly made for each other i know they're from opposite sides of the country but maybe those will convince Derek and claire to move back to the east coast to be closer to lewis and michelle <laughs> yeah okay um so yeah they they were holding up one half of a heart to each other what is it that's just like that's just like this mm-hmm. yeah See? i wanted to go that way so mm-hmm <laughs> it doesn't. Really, I feel like half of my heart, uh, as much as John Mayer loves to sing about it, doesn't really work as a hand gesture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was that part of the poem, feels, Mike? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it feels more so like I'm Carla from Survivor, and my hands broken, and I'm just kind of like <laughs> trying to stretch it out after some uh, some atrophy to it. Mm, okay. All right. Well, they work together. They ultimately uh, figure out the navigation. Uh, they get to where they need to go. Uh, we're going to see uh, Lewis uh, that he is going to partake in the rugby uh, match. Also, then Claire is going to uh, be the person to do it for uh, their side. And we find out that Claire was almost a part of the women's rugby team, Jess. And someone told her one time that she would be good at rugby. Yeah. So my, my question is, does Derek like, know these stories or Claire know these stories because it seems like a lot of the energy they're giving is like hearing these for the first time and while yes they spent a lot of time together in the big brother house I feel like that there's sort of like a newer relationship uh, where yeah less than a year old yeah Claire says like this thing that happened to me one time in college Derek X is like immediately no no that didn't happen (laughs) how do you know you weren't there yeah, that, but that had a lot of that had the energy of Claire has told this story before. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I disagree. I think it's. I think it was a base judgment. I, I don't know. It reminded me a bit of Derek being like, "On my birthday every year, I wish I could roll my arch." She's like, "What? Really? Yeah. That's not the case." Yeah. I think they just love to give each other a hard time. Yeah, I think so. I think that that's part of the Amazing Race thirty four drinking game. That uh, anytime like uh, Claire or Derek X is telling an anecdote, and the other one completely no sells the story uh, that they're telling, yeah. like take a shot. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I used to I used to work at Staples like, no, no, you did. That's not true. <laughs> Lie. Yeah, they're 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 Twitter, essentially. Right. They're like, that's not verified. <laughs> mm-hmm. Give me Where eight dollars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give me eight dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened. At the, Is that a parody? <laughs> that's what happened at the toll booth with Emily. And I Molly. feel like. I feel like the through line on this podcast is Rob and I make the exact same joke at the exact same time. We're, and his uh, is better. And he has to edit me out of the background. No, 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 <laughs> no. Yeah. That I, I'm, I'm struggling to get to it as uh, quick as you. I'm a second behind. I, I, I I, I'm quicker it. than usual today. Yeah. It's so relatable though. Right. To like come out and say this story and then have someone be like, that's literally like, Okay, well, I have to walk it back a little bit because maybe it was a bit too declarative, right? Uh, Declare. Declarative, actually. Yeah, of Claire being declared. like, oh, I was recruited. Well, uh, actually, just more so some friends said you should be, you should play rugby. You know, it's like uh, those people be like, oh, yeah, you should do movies. And it's like, well, I was almost a movie star. Like, there's a little bit of a leap in logic there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And and in what context did they say this? Was she just really, really drunk at a party and someone's like, look at you drink. You must you should be playing rugby. <laughs> that kind if of I'll, that's been I mean, my if experience. I'll be, if I'll be completely candid, Claire is very tall. I think they could be like, oh, you have mm-hmm. such a build. Like, I think there's a non-zero chance that within the same breath, this person said you could play rugby or basketball just because mm-hmm. of your size. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that the recruiting that was done uh, that at my college was that, OK, uh, you are very fun at parties. Uh, you should be a part of the rugby team. I don't know. Do we know uh, Claire very, you know, pertinently went to University of Michigan, made Survivor Michigan out of it. Do we know if the Michigan has a notable rugby team? That is uh, not in my purview, Mike. Almost nowhere in the United States has a notable rugby team. Mm-hmm. Oh, shots fired. Yeah. Uh, don't tell my friend Anne-Marie I said that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, Derek and Claire, they uh, get through the rugby task. Uh, they're going to go recite the poem. And uh, we probably spend the most time with them uh, going through all of the poetry. And they actually do a great job. Uh, the judge was very impressed, Mike. Yeah, I think the reason why we got so much of them is because they were the first people, right? They were the guinea pigs. And so right afterwards, they could be like, okay, and yada, yada, you know the rest, right? It was the same thing every time. But yeah, good on them. We saw Luis and, Mich- uh, Luis and Michelle basically like aborted immediately, right? When they're like, mm-hmm. oh, we don't remember the first lines. Good on Derek and Claire. Like you said, memorization surprisingly may not be one of their strong suits, but they were able to remember enough to it seems like make only two trips and unlike Lewis and Michelle not have to immediately backtrack of, Oh my God, we already forgot the first line. And Lewis and Michelle, uh, they switch things up. Just Lewis, uh, tells us that, Oh, this is gonna be hard. I don't even build Legos. Didn't he also say he doesn't even build Ikea furniture. Is he running out of analogies? I mean, if he's really not a builder, he's not going to have a long list of things Mm -hmm. that he builds. Mm -hmm. Like what's next? Those are the only things you can think of that he builds. Hmm. Okay. Um, so yeah, they're able to get through, uh, the brick laying task. Uh, they end up finishing team number two, uh, but it's Derek and Claire who, uh, get a first place finish, uh, once again, and they win enough Expedia rewards points to get to Bangkok, uh, where they will even Mike, uh, get a nighttime tuk tuk tour. Yes, Keith Nail. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll give it to him personally. <laughs> Bangkok, the activity usually done before the land shark. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> On that note. All right. What else from episode number eight of The Amazing Race? <laughs> I think it's really hilarious how all of these package tours involve a cooking class. <laughs> yeah, it's that's like, true. It feels like the most low effort thing. It's like, well... What what should we give them as part of their package? Let's just give them a cooking class. Mm-hmm. Is the assumption that they're they're making Thai food? Is that what they're learning to cook? I don't know. I, I mean, over there they just call it food, Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose. Yeah, Maybe. it's one of those things. It's like, um, have they just are they are they anticipating like going through a breakup and they need like something fulfilling to spend their time on? Because mm-hmm. I feel like that's when people take cooking classes. Um, maybe it's just something just that uh, takes the least amount of Expedia points. That's true. <laughs> like, how Ooh, much does it cost? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's look up all like what general activities take the cheapest amount of Expedia points. Tuk Tuk trip, probably because that just sounds like generic transport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, airport shuttle mm-hmm. is probably the least <laughs> amount of Expedia points. By Tuk Tuk. Yeah, that's your Tuk Tuk ride is from the airport. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. 
Um, so yeah, very, I feel like under the radar, Amazing Race is uh, like uh, heading into the home stretch. I mean, we're down to uh, just five teams. Uh, we've got a mega leg coming up. Uh, we'll go into the, what, the finale with three teams. Yeah, I'm imagining we have four episodes left. So I think our mega leg is going to take us across two episodes. We'll have a penultimate episode with our final three, and then the finale will be the final leg. If they didn't, they do a two-hour episode, and maybe they do that now with Love Boat canceled, but I just have a feeling we're going to get like a proper one-hour episode like we did for Amazing Race 32. So yeah, we are in like the latter third. There's only five teams left, only mm-hmm. two eliminations left before the finale here. And with no offense to David and Aubrey, in my opinion, any combination of the top four teams, I would really like to see in the final three. Mm-hmm. So Jess, where are the teams headed to next for the Mega Leg? Um, I don't know because the screener doesn't give you the next time on. They're yes. going to Spain. Spain. Arriba. Okay. Okay. Now, <laughs> Thank you, Mike. <laughs> okay. And and then I don't recall in Amazing Race 33, uh, did they end up going back to the U.S. for the, the final leg? Yeah, remember they had the L.A. leg, right, where they started on top of the big tall skyscraper. Oh, yes. And they did the tennis yes. course. Yes, and so the, the Foley, yeah. Yeah, so the route the rest of the race is that they're going to spend two legs in uh, in Spain, and then they're going to spend the penultimate leg in Iceland before traveling. They're going to do much like many American tourists do, right? Take the cheap flight from Iceland back to the United States. And I believe actually the finish line is in Nashville. Oh. So I think we, to Claire's detriment, we might have a bit of a music task to finish off the season. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, the, the end is in sight here on The Amazing Race. 34. Um, a- anything else uh, before we start to wrap things up? Yeah, warning. I'm probably going to get really insufferable about Iceland. It's the only place out of the country I've been since COVID. So I have a lot of feelings. Okay. Are good feelings or, or bad good feelings? Good feelings. Okay. Good feelings. People of Iceland are wonderful. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see if Iceland leaves Jess feeling cold on The Amazing Race. Hey, oh. <laughs> All right. Jess, what's coming up for you? Uh, well, we've only got two episodes of The Walking Dead left. Oh, my God. Like, career so we more episodes left of the amazing race 34 than the walking dead period yeah but i'm I'm sure like walking dead is going to challenge the amazing race franchise for most total episodes because of all of the spinoffs that we're getting Mm -hmm. but we are talking about those last two episodes of walking dead over on post show recaps and having a good time in the process uh I think there's a lot of skepticism on whether they're going to be able to stick the landing and so i'm hoping that we're not you know, it doesn't leave us disappointed, but we'll see what when happens. When has The Walking Dead ever disappointed anybody? Come on. Um, just ask Rob Sesternino, yeah. who people still talk about the day Rob Rage quit The Walking Dead. <laughs> Did I? Ra- was it a rage quit? No, because you stuck around for a few more episodes, but you were you were pretty mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Look, as long as there are no dumpsters in frame by the time the season ends, I think people will be relatively happy. Yeah. All right. Um, Well, great job once again, Jess. Mike, what's coming up for you? Yeah, a bit of belated plug since I was out last week. And I just want to say it it was awesome to listen back. Of course, I was sad to miss it. But like, I love getting to listen on the old Rob and Jess chemistry before my silly ass got in here to cover things. And plus, (laughs) we had some fun uh, (laughs) uh, throwbacks. Yeah. Yeah, Shamir got his due here, which was very much appreciated. If you haven't checked it out, I also got the pleasure of speaking with Glenda and Lamumba last week, which was 
a very fun interview. They went into greater length about Tractor Granny, who ended up saving them. And they also talked about their own journey with fertility and sort of what's next on the Boom Boom mm-hmm. Trail, just as like a bit of a plug. They have their own YouTube channel in which they're depicting that. So feel free to check that out. Of course, I'm going to have my interview with Quentin and Maddie coming up. I'm excited. Uh, listen, I love speaking to teams and players on these reality shows who are unfortunately a bit more under the radar just to get their side of the story. Like talking with Asta and Nina was fun. Talking with Abby and Will is fun. So excited for Quinton and Maddie. Also speaking with this week's booted Survivor contestant and covering that on the B&B with Liana and this week's guest, Beth Dixon, over on Post Show Recaps. Did a very fun Brant Steele with Grace Leader and Taryn Armstrong where we did a Big Brother season putting the characters from House of the Dragon into the Big Brother house Whoa. to see what would happen. Uh, combination showman's project DNA uh, project, you know, X's. It, it was a very fun time. So be sure to check that out. Covering heroes with Josh. One more thing I'd yeah. like to plug. Yes. Netflix surprisingly yes. at the end of last week revealed bad news. Survivor seasons are going away, but good news. Not one, but two classic seasons of the amazing race are now on Netflix. Oh, Okay. So seasons five and seven, a.k.a. the Boston Robin Amber season of The Amazing Race are now on Netflix. Season five, I have talked to the mountains, to La Montagna yes. and back again about how much I love that season. It is one of my favorite seasons of not only The Amazing Race, but of reality TV in general. Season seven, very strong as well. Back in the day when Jess and myself and Dan Heaton uh, rated and ranked the seasons of Amazing Race. Crap, if I'm wrong here, Jess, I feel like season seven came in at like top three. Yeah. At least uh, I think so they season picked, five was number one, wasn't it? Season five was number one. So two very good and very good representative seasons to put up there. If you want to check out some old school, amazing race, especially where things looked a little bit different, but still had a lot of great stuff to it. Feel Interesting. They're on Netflix hmm. at your leisure. Okay. All right. Um, good to know, Mike. Uh, thanks for the heads up on that. Of course, we got everything going on with Survivor as well over on robhasawebsite.com, including our Survivor know-it-alls, exit interview, and recap with Dr. Christian Hubicki coming up uh, this week, not to mention uh, a feedback show with Kirsten McInnes, who I got to talk about two episodes of The Real Love Boat with uh, this week alongside Jenny Autumn. So check that all out at robhasawebsite.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.